world of cyborgs and tours of cyberspace what's behind the door the allure of something strange of course that's why i came the forces were untamed no corporate or dumb fame a report for chump change courses unfazed contorted or concave i'm sort of a poor sport nothing short of blue king got me feeling like I'm This is Comics Therapy, episode 81. No reviews, just analysis. I'm Andrea Shockling, and my co-host, as always, is Aaron Myers. Against my better judgment, up this week are two comics from April 29th, 2015, are Avengers 44 and New Avengers 33. I wanted to talk about Alex and Ada 14. I was even willing to throw in both Avengers and New Avengers, but... Actually, wait a second. I'm doing the intro, so I'm calling the shots, and we're going to talk about all three. In between segments, listen to another second opinion. And just as a reminder, we never do reviews, but we do talk a lot, so there may be spoilers ahead. I look forward to you talking about all three. I'll talk about the ones I want to talk about. Carry on. Welcome to Comics Therapy. Neither Andrea nor I are licensed therapists, so don't take anything we say seriously. This week, we're talking about Avengers and New Avengers, the current runs of which will go down in history as the best large-scale comic event ever. With issues 44 and 33 respectively, we end three years of complex buildup of multiple storylines and infinite characters all leading to Secret Wars. And in contrast, we're also going to talk about Alex and Ada 14, which is about as different from an event comic as you can get. It's understated, it's emotional growth between primarily two characters. When Aaron suggested the theme be There Can Be Only One, a a tongue-in-cheek reference to a single Earth left in Avengers, because he's hilarious, uh, I countered with It Takes Two, or Three, or Four, or 27, because there's plenty of room for all kinds of comics, you guys. Let's dive into these two polar opposites and see what we see. Hi, this is Ben Diederich at Punk Rock Sellout on Twitter, and co-host of the Didn't Read It podcast. Uh, what age did I start reading comic books at? Um, I can't really say. I've, As far as I can remember, I've always been reading comics. I know my mom would pick me up from the grocery store, Archie books and Richie Rich books from the checkout line, and comics have just always been there. Uh, X-Men books, Batman, always been there. One thing I do vividly remember, though, was picking up the first black and white Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from a comic book store in Eagle Rock, California. So, Although that wasn't my first comic book, it's the first one I really remember. Each episode, in between comic segments, you'll hear one listener answering a series of questions, sharing his or her favorite comics, creators, and more. We call it a second opinion. If you'd like to play along at home, you can leave your own response for us to use on a future show. The prompts are on the website, comicstherapy.com. You can call, Skype, or email your MP3 to us. Remember to read comics responsibly, kids, and always get a second opinion. In between shows, you can find me on Twitter at Andrea Schock and Aaron at Aaron Myers. The show account is at Comics Therapy. Aaron, we are not talking about Avengers Age of Ultron yet because not everyone has seen it, but you can gloat for exactly six seconds because you saw it before I did. Okay. I, can I silently gloat? I, that's, I, that's what I do the best. 
No, dude, you don't silently gloat. I don't think that you know how to silently gloat. Oh, I'm all, I silently do gloat. Everything about showing up how much better you are than I am. Mm, I do it so much better silently, though. <laughs> That's a lie. <laughs> no, you just don't hear it. <laughs> you type it, though. That's, like, basically the same thing. Mm, that's you're, you're drawing an odd distinction there. I'm, I'm proud of you for seeing it. I look forward to talking to you about it. Just not right now. Yeah, that's fine. Okay. I'm Anything over it. Anything else? I saw it. I'm over it. Are you really? I mean, yeah. I'm sated now. I don't... I oh. can move on. Okay. Cool. Did you have a scary, scary horror trailer before yours also? No. Dude. I mean, you saw it in the morning, yeah? 9.20. Okay. So I went to an evening show... And there was a, a decent number of kids, right? It was like eight, eight, eight thirty show, and there was a horrible horror trailer beforehand. It was like the second trailer, hmm. and I was really scared, and I was super sad for all the kids. I'm sorry. It's fine. We can talk about comics now. Yeah, this isn't a horror podcast. Nah, shut up. We're recording on the morning of Free Comic Book Day. Yeah. Are you going to do anything for your child for Free Comic Book Day? I already did all the things for my child for Free Comic Book Day. Had, really? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. I know. You've already gone to the store and everything? No, but I got my book sent to me. Yeah, that's not the same. It kind of is. I would mm. rather take him not today. And he gets like a fucking pile of books in the mail every week, so... He's, like, not lacking anything to read. You are teaching your child to kill the local comic book store. I guess I sort of am. How how terrible. What, a, what an okay. awful legacy you're leaving behind. Yuck. You just made me feel super terrible about my choices. So, yeah, fine. We'll go into the city and we'll go to Mission Comics this afternoon. Cool. Thanks. I was All planning right. to go tomorrow, but thanks for guilting me into going today well i mean i'm not guilting you i'm just showing you what a terrible person you are yeah actually i think it would actually be better if i do go tomorrow i mean i guess the whole point of today though is to, like everyone kind of go out and support the retailer and you know get books and buy books and everything else absolutely and i love all of that and i'm all about supporting my retailer in fact i support mission comics through their patreon because that's how much i enjoy them however i didn't necessarily want to deal with all of the people today. Yeah, but that's like saying, well, I don't really want to go to the gay pride parade and show our support today. I'll go out there tomorrow after everyone's left. I cannot believe you just used that particular analogy. I was just thinking San Francisco and Mission Comics, and I thought of the Castro. <sighs> Fine. So Fine. what I'm saying Fine. is if you don't go to free comic book today, you hate gay people. I'm going to ignore that. And instead, I'm going to say this about Free Comic Book Day. I think it is fantastic, but I don't think that it is for us. It is not for people like you and me who spend a lot of money on comics and who already celebrate comics and who give comics to other people to help them enjoy comics as well. It is to help encourage new readers and young readers, and all of that is amazing. And... Yes, do that. But if you are already a frequent comic reader, and I don't know, maybe you are because you're listening to a comic podcast, 
then instead this is about like celebrating your store and buying extra stuff from them and thanking them for being awesome and then getting some books that you're going to share with people who maybe haven't started reading comics yet or you know going there as as a comics expert and helping your store out by sharing your love of comics and maybe introducing new readers who might be showing up just for today yeah, but I'm not going to go to my in. store and do that. I'm not going to, like, step on their toes in that kind of weird way. No, I'm not saying you, you do that, but I've often been, for Free Comic Book Day, like, if you're there and people are looking at stuff, and I've heard them say, like, just, you know, maybe somebody that they're with, like, I don't know what to get. It's nice to then point out, like, or help them with their reading experience. That's true. That's true. You are an ambassador. Nice, nice work. Yeah. yeah. I have been doing that like on a micro level. I've been giving comics out to a lot of people and like lending them to a lot of people. There's a bunch of my regulars at the coffee shop who've borrowed comics from me. And that's kind of cool too. Mm -hmm. So, you know, maybe I don't have to go and be there in the store today also doing that. Maybe I can go and buy a bunch of stuff and say hi to some people and then and then like let the newer folks explore and find things and have a grand old time. You can do whatever you want. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I'm just saying there's a right way to do things and a wrong way to do things. I did I did end up picking up a second uh, copy of Lock and Key in paperback just to loan to people. That's Good. that that was my like extra splurge for free comic book day this week hmm. cool um, because i have these really nice hardcovers and i don't want to have to give them out anymore that's fair but so far everybody that i've given lock and key to has it's like a just vomit of texts of oh my god this is so good oh, i can't ah, blah, blah, blah. i just finished the third book i'm going on to the fourth book blah, blah. which reminded me of like when i did that to you when you did that, when you read Lock and Key? Yeah, yeah. Do you remember all of the texts that I sent you as I was reading Lock and Key? Yeah, but did I tell you to read it? Yeah, Aaron. Come oh. on. I'm actually handing this one to you on a silver platter. Okay, I didn't remember if I suggested it. Who else? I don't know. I don't know. Like, at that point, I wasn't really taking suggestions from anybody other than you. Thank God I have changed my tune and oh, yeah, it's, expanded my my circle of influence. Whatever. It sounds like I really steered you wrong. Aww. I'm sure. Can we talk I'm, about comics now? Isn't that what we're doing? Yeah, but we're talking like meta about comics. I want to yeah, talk specifically you, well, you were, about. But you were just talking about how much you um, dislike Free Comic Book Day, and I wanted to talk about how excited I was for it to no, take my son dude, and share my love with comics with him. I didn't say dislike at all. I think Free Comic Book Day is amazing. What makes me sad is when comic book readers kind of go crazy and they monopolize all of the free comics for, like, what reason exactly? And, and they don't recognize how much the stores have to do for free comic book day and they don't see the opportunity to encourage new readers like if if you read comics weekly if you have a pool list and you're at your store all the time and you don't understand that the store has to buy all of the comics for free comic book day and that most of them are like 
they're not all, but many, many of them are all ages books specifically to help get new younger readers, then you're like missing the great opportunity of this day, which is like to celebrate comics and you're doing it wrong. So like go to the store and buy more and thank everybody and pick up a couple free ones, but then like go back to the store next week and buy more stuff. Okay, that's fine. We can move on okay. now. <laughs> Thanks for turning it into a fucking soapbox. You always make me do that. Mm, I don't think so. You can blame me all you want. <laughs> it's your words, not mine. <laughs> okay, now let's talk about comics. I read my comics 99% digitally now at this point. The iPad is a great way of reading them. The colors show up vividly. And you can't beat how easy it is to grab them whenever you feel like uh, gone are the days of a book being sold sold out off the stands and having to wait weeks for a reprint or not potentially not being able to get it. So I'm a huge fan of digital now, although my daughter absolutely refuses to read digital. So we've recently started going back to the comic shop weekly. She has a pull file set up and she gets about 10, 15 books a month there. So print has come back into my life at this point so i do really enjoy the shop we go to nuclear comics in lake forest california it's a great shop friendly people so i I do enjoy it and cammy loves it so our first books this week are avengers number 44 and new avengers number 33 both written by jonathan hickman avengers was drawn by stefano castelli and kev walker with colors by frank martin and lettering by Corey Pettit. New Avengers was drawn by Mike Diodato, with colors also by Frank Martin, and lettering by Joe Caramanga. Both are published by Marvel Comics. I'm not summing these up, because... Like, just like Saga last week... The universes are dying. The multiverse is dying. Yeah, it's just... are only two left. There's too much. (laughs) Sure, that's fine. We, We are... We can skip to the end... (laughs) <laughs> which is a significant <laughs> reveal that that we're we're down to two we're down to like the 616 universe and we're down to the ultimates universe yeah it's and not a it. particular spoiler though i think you know if you're paying attention to this at all you know that's coming it was coming down to that can i tell you like this is super off the deep end but there was a moment when i had such a visceral reaction to the lettering in Avengers, when it was Ultimates lettering all of a sudden, and it was like coming home. Because I really liked, for a (laughs) while, before it went, you know, completely bananas, I really liked a lot of the Ultimates stories. And, And the lettering was immediately recognizable. And because we have, like, cross universe travel here, like, I know that it's a little gimmicky, but it's a a recognizable and clever gimmick. Like, it's an association that you have. It's a visual association that you have with one universe and the other. And so mm-hmm. I thought that was rad. I, I really, I really did. It, it made me smile, even though as part of the re- reveal, I was dying inside a little bit because we've got Ultimate Hawkeye. Ah! But, um, yeah, that was, I had a moment. I had a moment of joy. In fact... Like, maybe that's what both of these books are at this point. It's, like, super full of joy. Sorry that the universe is ending. (laughs) 
but this this run has like really made me love comics yeah it's not a joyful run it's like it's just epic it's just epic it's you know it's uh it's how expansive i'd want an avengers book to be like as well crafted as it is and i know and as well loved it is as it is bendis's run of avengers is kind of like some of my least favorite stuff is it mostly because it's talking it's talking it's those interpersonal <laughs> relationship things which like it's fine you don't it's like good. feelings i do i don't like feelings in my avengers books is it because the 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 rom robots were in these is that why you love them no mm-hmm. okay yeah <laughs> it's the, the joke is tired it's not a joke. It's the best. Mm. Um, no, I mean, I can... It, it's weird because it'll be hypocritical, too, because there are probably times where I would like... I, I don't mind that writing. Like, it's good. It's just in terms of what I want from from an Avengers series. Is having Why is all that, of though? This. Because I... I enjoy continuity in Marvel and DC books a lot. Is that is that what it comes down to? Is it is it the fact that we're talking about characters with decades of history and and to shy away from that when you have such an ensemble based story is like not as fulfilling for you? Well, to me it's like the Avengers and New Avengers books are the glue like the framework for the rest of the Marvel universe, if that makes sense. Okay. No, you it know, totally makes sense. Like they should; those books should be the books that deal with what is happening, you know, everywhere. And then, ideally, the solo books and the other like mini series and other spinoff, like something like a, a Young Avengers, something like that, should all be playing off of whatever the major framework is. So what happens when you have solo books that aren't touching on the stuff that's happening to characters on a more like universal level? And and there was a specific example this week because we all kind of talked about the superior Iron Man story and Tony hooks up with a guy. Cool. Tony's by. I'm not surprised. Nobody else should be either. That's great. But that's um, superior. Well, hang on to <laughs> like that, that's put it, that's adding a lot of context to something that was never described or or put into the book. Okay, here's my point. Superior Iron Man. Like, how does uh, how does that solo book, or how does any pull it back a little bit? How does any solo book fit in with the bigger stuff that's happening in Avengers and New Avengers? Like, I I I'm trying to look at this objectively, even though it's not going to be successful but as objective as possible for a reader who's like not entrenched in what's happening in those two flagship books like we have friends who are not reading avengers and new avengers but who read quite a few other marvel stories how do you reconcile those two things um how do i it like for me they're global i i think typically what start with you and and go go bigger sure editorially they try to loosely keep the time frames of the solo books to f- coincide with major events that are taking place, you know, in, in Avengers or just whatever, you know, the event is going to be. 
I would prefer it to be more closely paced timeline wise, but I know okay. I know that just doesn't work with how you know really schedules and everything else have to be. So there's some suspension of of disbelief in terms of time and everything else. There's a shitload of suspension of disbelief. Yeah, I don't think that'll ever change though. Just like you I'm okay kind, with that. You kind of have to look at the solo book as a different. You know, it's just a different kind of almost like timeline for than than anything that's happening in the major event books. But then, Aaron, how do you like? I, I'm pushing back just because you dropped the c word. How do you how do you say different time word timeline and also continuity? Um, well, I'm telling you how it is. I'm not telling you how it should be. <laughs> like I think okay. I think the best way to do it would to be like okay this is what's happening over the next three years you know this is what Jonathan Hickman has laid out for the Avengers universe leading up to Secret Wars mm-hmm. plan accordingly you know you don't if think you, that that's exactly what they do they they do but it's a matter of if the the writer still chooses to ignore that or to write to it you know? I don't have a problem with like micro and macro level stories, especially with characters that can be borrowed, uh, you know, at will. I think that, and I've said this before, that a lot of the street level stories are the ones that are so appealing to me. I like the character driven stuff. That's why so many of the books that kind of jumped on the Hawkeye bandwagon were initially super appealing. That's a one-trick pony. It's got to be more than that. We can't have every single book being a Hawkeye book. But I I think that there's room for both. I just don't... I don't know how I feel about things being so different sometimes. I like both of them. I just don't know... I, I, I don't know well, if I, I can reconcile if it, it. If it was up to me this last year... Like, if I were, like, doing, like, the hindsight now of things that come out, like, that whole Axis storyline would be cut mm-hmm. because it's it's superfluous. You know, it was a non Agreed, and it made thing. things extra confusing. It made things extra confusing. It didn't serve any purpose. There was a, mm-hmm. there's a much bigger event going on that this is kind of ignoring. Mm-hmm. It, it really should, everything cohesively should have been building towards Secret Wars. Like, the, the micro yeah. books, the solo books should have been exploring what's happening with that person as these gigantic things are going on. Not, oh, Tony's, you know, dealing with extremists and, you know, turning everyone beautiful and everything. Well, you know what? Also, at the same time, Tony's dealing with the collapse of the multiverse. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, that that stuff doesn't make any sense. For months, he's been locked in a box. No big deal. Right. I mean, you know, it's like, so they're not, they're not the same characters. It's like, it's like a, it's like a what if story in a way. It so is. that's where I blame so, I blame editorial of allowing those kind of time, you know storylines to go on where there should be here you know if they hire a writer to do it say this is the pitch we need from you because this is what's going on so you need to write a series that deals with that. I would probably have not articulated it quite like that, but I agree that Axis just made things super muddy. Yeah. yeah. I mean, all of the little mini events, as soon as we started treating Avengers and New Avengers as one long event book, it helped me understand, it, it helped me appreciate it more. It helped me understand how to read it better. 
it's actually even more than that. It's it's Fantastic Four leading into Avengers and New Avengers. Like it's really been like an eight year event. Huh. Yeah. Okay. If Marvel had entrusted Hickman with architecting the Marvel universe in this, you know, in this time and allowing things to be cohesively, you know, written, like you can like that is like my dream for for Marvel and DC books. Mhm. You know, to have a kind of a unified vision for how how the whole, you know, the whole universe is is playing out. Mhm. Like that's how it should be, but things are so disconnected and siloed sometimes that or, you know, it's like, uh, go ahead and you know just kind of write this and it'll be fun books." And I think that's how a lot of readers end up reading just because that's what, you know, that's that's the maybe a better way to read it. There's a lot less disappointment. <laughs> so like don't follow the way that you do it. <laughs> don't be yeah, emotionally invested because it's not going to pay off. Like, I, I choose to ignore the stuff that just doesn't fit within the story. Right, right. I mean, I might still read it, and it just, it just has nothing to do, like, you can, you know, we could talk about Superior Spider-Man, like, it has nothing to do, that's not, that's not Iron Man. It has nothing to do with it, what's going on right now. Wait, Superior Spider-Man or sp Superior or Iron, Iron Man? Iron Man. Okay, got it, got it. Yeah. Yeah, I, man, I think that the the playground aspect of all of these characters and the legacies of all of these characters is really appealing. I mean, uh, like Cartosia Tales, the mm -hmm. anthology, where you have a set framework and you have the creativity is kind of like up to the individual creators to like dabble and play and borrow characters. But there are, there are rules that you have to follow. And it's a a very small version of something as epic and expansive as the Marvel universe has at its disposal. And so maybe it's just a matter of, of scale when you scale it up so big, not only character wise and storyline wise, but also with the various creative teams, it actually becomes unmanageable. And so there are going to be things that slip through the cracks and that's where I mean, I guess like, the continuity watchdogs kind of flip out, but but you're it's, you're you're being an apologist for a in, a company that is built around building a universe, and to say I, that it I becomes unmanageable. For it? Well, you're I'm saying trying to understand it. You're saying it becomes unmanageable, and I think that's uh, that's BS. It doesn't become unmanageable. You just have to have the proper management in place. Mm. I think you, that you're underestimating the logistics behind something like just what's happening with Avengers and New Avengers and like not even getting into how it trickles down to all of the other titles. And I mean, I know you read previews and like surprise, surprise, guess who's started reading it too. I can't make like sense of the solicits leading up to Secret Wars at all. I, and I'm actually reading a lot of those books, but it is, it is not a a friendly environment to try to navigate as a as a new reader holy shit not at all but even as a comfortable with marvel reader it's like not a welcoming like hey guys this is gonna be a super fun story it's just like fucking chaos um yes but it shouldn't be like because secret wars to me feels like 
it's the first event that has actually been planned, like, properly, as opposed to... When you say well, it shouldn't be, are you saying it's me or them? It's them. Because okay, okay. because how it should be is they, they've known this has been the plan for three years. Mm-hmm. You know? So it should be that at this date, this is when Secret Wars begins, your stories should end at that point and be ready for it. Not just... Right. Issue 14, uh, Secret Wars tie-in. Like, you know, it's like, no. There'll be some hiccup of, oh, the multiverse collapsed, and now back to our regular, you know, scheduled story. Right. It, it yes. should all end up there. But that and And it's not an impossibility. It's, it's poor editorial. Man. Okay, if I'm an apologist, you are, I don't know, what is the word for just somebody who hates everything? I don't hate everything. I just expect good, good production from billion-dollar industries. <laughs> I guess. I guess. So, so I think there are aspects of that company, and there are things that have been executed really well, while trying to maintain this kind of crappy status quo of letting things kind of play out on their own, you know, and people to explore characters kind of in a bubble, but they're not. They're not bubble stories. They're tied into a, a major universe. But there's something inherently appealing about being able to explore a character on that level. I mean, that's why I'm going to make you talk about Alex and Ada in contrast, because that's that that's entirely what is happening in that book. And so Absolutely. I wouldn't want to lose the the moments with the individual characters in both the solo books and like as as it has been possible in, in the, the larger, like, flagship titles, I, then, then it's just, I don't, then it's just spectacle. Um, yeah, that's all, that's fine. There's ways to do that. Okay, I don't, I don't want to turn this into, like, a prescription. I want to hear more about, like, what it is that you love about, like, why is this the best event ever? Times infinity, forever and ever and ever. Well, because of at least what's happening in these books, how cohesive they have been, and the build-up to where we are now. Is it just because it doesn't happen very often, and so you're like half acknowledging it, half, you know... But, but it's been so well-crafted. Like, the writing and the storytelling okay. has been so well done. Like, we really have taken out um, Avengers World from this, too, which didn't come out this week, but that is another Avengers book that even though it's a, a third tier Avengers book, it ties in and enhanced the story so much. Yeah, for real. It's like filling in a lot of the, the character moments and the kind of background stuff. And it is firmly within this event. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. More so than, than, you know, Captain Marvel or, or Hawkeye has been. Yeah. Or Iron Man or, Right, right. You know, Spider-Woman or anything like that. So, so is it just the scale that is so appealing to you? I mean, it sounds like it. I'm trying to, I'm trying to take what you're saying and, and like, I, I like, guess repackage it so that I... Well, I like many it. of the solo stories for their storytelling. But I like, I like being able to take all the aspects of Marvel that I love and make them in a big space multiverse universal you know etc etc with such a kind of a depth of sci-fi sci to it like mm -hmm. you know it's just all the stuff that i nerd out about 
Is there another universe <laughs> that uh, has like a similar breadth and depth of appeal to you? I, I'm trying no, to think I mean, of another. I've always been a Marvel fanboy. Right. I know you have. I know you have. But like, does does Star Wars or Star Trek? Because those are the two other ones that have like like longevity of of storytelling that I can think of. Although it's not. It's about half as long as my like Marvel's universe has been in existence. But it's really hard for me to equate movie and TV properties and okay. and comics for whatever reason. Like. We've already we've talked about in the past how it's really just hard for me to read like Star Wars comics or Star Trek comics and enjoy them the same way I do with the movie and the TV shows. Yeah, and I think it's fascinating. Like I don't understand why that is. I don't know. Because... It's just how like it's the silos in my brain of like one being print media and a way to enjoy it that way and a way to think about yeah. it, and the other being a visual, you know, like just a motion picture medium and how it just got kind of filed away for me. I'm trying to think of it as like, how do you immerse yourself in this universe so thoroughly? Because that's like, that's what I hear you talking about when we talk about Avengers. It's like Aaron gets to sit, like nestle down in the midst of the Marvel universe and just kind of watch it unfold around him. And in a way that is, is like truly epic. And, and I don't think that there are too many other like intellectual properties out there that could even come close to having the like the range of options to be able to do that. Star Trek and, and Star Wars are the only two that I can think of. I maybe Tolkien, but not really, because there's not no. like new Tolkien stories being generated at yeah, the Yeah, there's not there's level. not really side story stuff. I mean, you know, yeah. video games or things like that, but that just doesn't just doesn't connect to me on the same same level. And right? obviously D C I mean I'm I'm not intentionally leaving DC out of this conversation. It's just that, like, every time I try to talk about DC, I sound more like an idiot than I am because yeah. I just don't know it. They, they, and it's, I mean, I know DC just fine. The events do not appeal to me in the same way. Uh, it, it's a different, they're different types of characters. And DC, I mean, we're, now this is a different discussion, but because to me, DC just has an identity crisis of, well, know, of epic proportions. <laughs> okay, so let's let's table the event part. Let's table use of the word epic and use of the word universe and all of those like big picture comics. And and I don't know, let's make it a little bit more intimate. Can we talk about Alex Anita? My absolute favorite current title right now is Deadly Class by Rick Remender and Wes Craig published by Image Comics. There's just everything to, is perfect to me in this book between the writing, Wes Craig's amazing panel layouts and the art, the characters, the storyline. It's just great. It's, it's everything I could ask for in a comic book. Picking a second favorite book is significantly more difficult. There are probably 10, 15 books that could be in a tie for second place, but I'm going to go with... Matt Kent's Mind Management. He writes, draws letters, does everything on this book published by Dark Horse. It's an amazing spy thriller with so many interacting, interwoven storylines. Uh, and it's made to be read monthly. It's the one book that, when I switched to digital, I really 
regretted not getting in paper just because of the the detail the the newsprint type of paper it's on it's just it is made for print and it's made to be consumed on a monthly basis we're almost at the end of its run and I am will be sad to see it go but I'm looking forward to doing a complete reread through the beautiful hardcover so if you haven't gotten on board with the series go grab some of those hardcovers our second book this week is Alex and Ada number 14 by Jonathan Luna and Sarah Vaughn Alex and Ada is published by Image Comics so this is the penultimate issue there are only 15 if you're not reading this you should it is a very small story about a really big concept which is I guess you know Falling in love with a sentient android, basically. Or, well, the, the question is, what is life and what is sentience? Sure. That's, like, the super, super big concept here. That's, like, the the fate versus free will, what is alive, what can we do about it kind of big questions. Yeah. But, and what is, what is freedom? What is freedom? Okay. So... Honestly, like a lot of the same things that big superheroes fight for all the time. Yeah, and there's a yeah. I mean, it's the same sort of things we that get brought up. Like even in go back to Avengers, you know, it's like that debate of um, do talk. Let, let me kind of go on a side channel, but like the whole um, graphic novel that just came out, the Rage of Ultron. Yeah, I haven't read it yet. I have it, but I haven't read it But the, the bigger conceit of that is, what is life? You know, is the vision alive? <laughs> is Ultron right. alive? Are, right. are you, know, um, you know, are these robots that inhabit the universe, are they, in, or androids or whatever, are they living like, like the rest of us are? That's a common theme in any sort of science fiction with robots. Like, this is not a new thing that, that you know, humanity has been struggling with. Well, because we don't want to admit that we and our, ourselves are machines. We're just a biological complex machine. Dude, I don't think that's it. I don't think that that's it at all. I think that's what makes people nervous about artificial intelligence. People are nervous because they don't... They are afraid of relinquishing control. It doesn't, it doesn't have anything to do with acknowledging like our identity as machines. It's, it's about... Mm. Like, we're the dominant species on the planet. If something else that we create is bigger, better, faster, stronger, smarter, we're fucked. That's, it's fear. It's completely fear-based. I don't think so. I think it's a matter of how it's introduced. I think people are more than willing to give up their control. I mean, we, we do. We have. Our, we gave up our control for convenience. And I think... As our technology evolves in the real world, not even like, you know, talking about books, that it'll just be a subtle, a subtle change. But I mean, you know, if, if we don't place it, yeah, what people are more than happy to give up the illusion of control for convenience. To an extent. No, I think the general public. No, as long as our hierarchy of needs are met where people are more than happy to be sated and to have things taken care of for them. Okay. But but that's because we still, like you said, it's still the illusion of control. Like, you still feel like you're the one who's making the decision to be sated with the assistance of technology. Sure. The s- stories like Alex and Ada and, like, 
Terminator and like every single other uh, artificial intelligence is is actually taking over kind of fear-based stories uh, address what happens when that's not the case when when we have lost the illusion of control and it becomes clear that there are things happening that we don't we don't know about but the, all of the, those stories have the have the framework of um, being supplanted by the technology we've created as opposed to I think commingling right you know it's the the singularity concept is is mm-hmm. I think the more likely outcome okay so with a story like this that's kind of dealing with the potential on on, on both levels right the the commingling as well as the fear there's a big there's turmoil happening right there's there are riots there is violence there is the kind of event based stuff that you would see from like the outsider perspective but in alex and ada we don't we don't really have access to that we have it only through their eyes and so it's a much more intimate look at their relationship but but their relationship within the confines of this kind of bigger chaos that's happening around them. Mm-hmm. Which I think is a, a sort of like wonderful addition to the kinds of stories that I like to read. I would love it if there was something that was just happening with, with two people's relationship as the events of Avengers and New Avengers are unfolding, for example. Just to bring it back to what you would rather be talking about. Well, we do have some of because that. Because there's something about looking at how two people develop like at an intimate level as they are going through this kind of much bigger experience uh, that's, that's really kind of touching and wonderful and makes you... Like, I care much more... And have a much more emotional response to what's happening in Alex and Anna than I do to the characters in Avengers. Um, I care about them differently, but it makes me... There's a lot more to think about. Like, I still waver on that line of, you know, of the things that happen in that book. That because her consciousness is awoken. Mm-hmm. And she is essentially... Even though there are times where she tried to disappear from it. Like, she has no other person to you know be alex is the only thing anchor that she can you know strap herself to so do you think it's sort of like a false anchor or do you think that there's like an authentic connection it's it's love in a vacuum it's like Mm. if two people are raised on an island together it's like they're gonna be you know sure they'll fall in love with each other they have no other external stimuli that's such a bummer why are you ruining all of the things no because because love stories are often kind of these these sort of over-emotionalized kind of events that are really about the pressures upon the, the people as opposed to love blooming some somehow. Wow. Just in case anybody wasn't sure, I'm the hopeless romantic, not Aaron. Well, because you're, you're not reading the story then. I am reading the story. I'm just responding to it in a different way than but, you are. But all of those all of those markers are there. Like Alex is lonely and depressed. He went through a breakup. He doesn't really want to meet women. 
So he get his grandmother buys him this android. She's awoken. She knows no one besides him. If she goes out into the world, she's going to get destroyed. He, she's but the, I he, see beauty and opportunity in that, and you are cynical. No, there's still beauty. There, you know, they have this intense relationship that if if things changed, say suddenly, you know, before the end of this story, the government passes a law and says, you know, if they have autonomous free will, you know, yeah, she might not be hanging out in the house a year later. Just because the, um, you know, the the traumatic event that kind of threw them together by not having any other options but being together has been like removed from the equation. Yeah, yeah. She has. She then has the ability to be out in the world as a free person. Man, you just made the story so much sadder. Sorry, but it is it is a sad story. It's a a sad tragic love story on many many levels. I, I just, I think it's really interesting that you, you have, like, we're both enjoying all three of these books, right? And mm-hmm. you have, you, you speak about the Marvel stories with such, like, passion, and there's such a connection there. And I get that, and, like, I've been reading them for years and years and years also. But with a book like Alex and Ada, which is just, like, so much smaller and has such a... I don't want to say simple because it's not. It's big, big concepts. But, like, our our touchstone to those big concepts is much simpler than, like, this epic ensemble story. And and so, therefore, like, it's impossible for me not to relate to those two characters. And I yeah. don't... I don't hear you talking about it the same way. And I, I just think it's fascinating. I don't relate to them in the same way because I don't have like a, I don't have the same sort of relationship to trauma going on or having gone on as, I don't know, as maybe how you're relating to it (laughs) because it's, if it's a personal, if it's a personal relation, we're drawing upon our own experiences that we're connecting to, right? I've never been in love with an Android for the record. How do you know? Oh, God, stop. Hmm? <laughs> Go ahead. So I just, I, I view it much more as a, this kind of higher concept, scientific sort of exploration of what, me, you know, what it means to be human and what it means when we can create life. And the the love and the emotional aspects of it play upon our, you know, they, they, they draw out our emotions. That's the... That's kind of that, that it's just the emotional content of the story, but it's, there's much more interesting things going on in the story for me. Hmm. Okay, so I'm going to put you on the spot with this. You can only take one of these to your desert island. Which, what are, what are you taking? And I'm not, it doesn't have to be specific. I'm not trying to make a direct comparison between Alex and Ada and Avengers. But I'm talking about the two types of comics. The more, like, heady emotional one or the big event one. Oh, no. It what, would always be. What do you Yeah, it would always be Avengers and books like that. Okay. Because there's plenty of the heady emotional stuff in, in those books. That you can apply to that. Yeah. Okay. 
like a well, the well, very eye-opening conversation with you, Aaron Myers. The well-crafted stories, like that's why I love it so much because it wavers back and forth between the personal, the introspective, you know, the hero looking within himself and finding, you know, rising to the occasion. But it also offers an escape from that constantly so that you don't actually have to deal with the emotional connection between you and the characters or the characters and one another. There is so much unresolved tension between individual characters in Avengers and between teams in Avengers and New Avengers that like is never going to be addressed. So much, think about it. Think about how much of the like resolution between like Reed's group and Steve's group kind of happened like off camera. We just, we, we talked it and like we, we reached a truce and blah and it's fine and now we're all working together. We didn't, we didn't experience that emotional like turmoil slash growth. And so um, you don't sure. have to directly engage with it. Whereas in Alex and Ada, it's so fucking raw. It's like all out there. And, we, and it, was, it was hard to read. It was painful to read because we couldn't look away. Like we had to actually read it and, and see them deal with it. So, so your question to me is, would you rather take the emotionally raw and, and <laughs> gut-wrenching book with you or the fun, epic adventure book with you those are my choices i mean i guess that when you put it like that maybe i also made the wrong choice right right. (laughs) really goes to show where your priorities are at versus mine it's not about priorities dear it's about like all the other things that are influencing Mm. the way that i engage with media right now (laughs) I, i prefer escape and you like to you like to revel in it oh that's the opposite i enjoy like a pagan slot i need escape oh aaron Stop. But uh, I I think that I'm like not quite trusting of just escape for escape's sake. And yeah, I think and, you're I think you're being far too reductive of the um, of the Avengers story. Stop. It is. There's there there are bigger concepts and and grand ideas and scientific achievements and everything else in these stories that are easy to overlook and call it just a big beat em up book. And I think I'm not calling it a big beat em up book, but you cannot ignore the fact that a lot of the like emotional battle is not like actually visible on the page, but by its very nature, like that's the genre that it is. And that's fine. I'm not, not everything has to be for all people all the time. That's why there is value in having some contrast in a kind of smaller book like Alex and Ada. Yep. That's fine. Everybody wins, Aaron. Let's fucking celebrate comics. It's free comic book day. Everybody wins. Sounds good to me. <laughs> anything else you want to say for the good of the order? Not till next week. Aw, okay. Well, uh, in case you didn't hear my soapbox earlier, I'll go ahead and repeat it now. This is the perfect time to celebrate your local comic book shop. Subscribe to your books. Set up a pool list. Talk to them about things that they're reading that you should be reading too. It's great. And if you don't have a local shop, subscribe to your books digitally. 
Anything else that you need from us is on the website, comicstherapy.com. And if Aaron's nice to me, I guess we'll be back again next week. And if I'm not, you're gonna, you'll dive back into it regardless. Yeah, glutton for punishment. Mm-hmm. Goodbye. My go-to book that I push on everyone and recommend everyone reads is I Kill Giants by Joe Kelly and Ken Niyamura, published by Image Comics. It's a great graphic novel about dealing with childhood and family issues and bullies and all kinds of things and it's it's my go-to book that I push on everyone to read. It's an absolute tearjerker though, so have your Kleenex ready when you read it. My second go-to book that I push on everyone is Day Tripper by Fabio Moon and Gabriel Ba, the Brazilian twins. They're probably my favorite creators. Everything they do is amazing, but this book in particular it's just next level. It's dealing about life, death, love. It's a fantastic book, and I highly recommend you all pick it up. Thanks for having me, Comic Therapy. I wanna rock right now. I'm Rob Bass and I came to get down. I'm not internationally known, but I'm known to rock the microphone because I get stupid. I mean outrageous. Stay away from me if you're contagious, because I'm the winner. No, not a loser. To be an MC is what I choose a The reason why, man, I don't know, so let's go, cause...